Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is week nine preview. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my two bros, Holt Smash and Mr. J.B. Brooks. What's up, Holt? Alex, how's it going, man? Just chilling. Uh, had a nice day at work today and glad to be recording this awesome podcast with two of my uh, best friends. And I hope everybody listening is having a great day and I love you. Best fucking friends. You're right. That anybody can have. What was that, JB? That anybody can have. Right. Whole smash. Did you watch a single inning of the World Series tonight or last night? Was it tonight? It was tonight, right? Man, it's like so funny you say that because the answer is no. And I was literally, I literally just picked up the remote to change the channel over to, to that. Like literally right as you were asking that. But no, I've not watched like one second of the World Series um, once the Braves lose, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. Usually, once the Braves lose, I just like don't even want to watch anymore. Like it kind of just feels like football season, and you know, baseball is just such a like a long, slow, painful death that like I just get to the point where I don't even care about baseball anymore. But that being said, I am currently turning it on the game right now, so I believe it's two to two in game two. Ha! <laughs> How ironic, Mr. JB Brooks. Are you sad that the Grizzlies lost, or are you? So optimistic because we got Ja Morant. I don't really care if the Grizzlies win or lose. I mean, this is kind of a relaxing year, in my opinion. I mean, we don't have any playoff aspirations. Uh, this is just a uh, more of a, I don't know, I wouldn't even call it a throwaway year, but it's a rebuild right now that the Grizzlies are in. So, you know, it, every game I'm just watching to see how the team gels, and I'm just wanting to watch the development of Morant, Brandon Clark. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Holt Smash, could you give any less shits about the NBA? Um, well, I will say that since I moved back to Memphis, I am mildly interested in the Grizzlies um, and John Moran, you know, just because he's the number two overall pick and there's been a lot of hype around him. And, you know, Zion's been banged up. So he's really like the top rookie in the league right now. So, you know, just be kind of cool to keep up. And I plan to go to some games this year and um, actually – sent a message over to a lady who manages the tickets at our company and just let her know like, Hey, if you ever like have some extra tickets and like, you need to, you know, get rid of them. Like, you know, I'll happily take them off your hands. So I'm your guy. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that comes through, but you know, if not, Hey, it was worth a shot, but yeah, I, I do, uh, you know, I, I do root for the Grizzlies, but no, I really don't care about the NBA. I didn't watch more than like two seconds of the game tonight. 
Um, the good thing about the Grizzlies is that they are going to suck this year. So you're probably fine tickets on the cheap this year. So um, even if you don't go get the free tickets, you can probably spend like 10, maybe $15 and get a very cheap ticket. So. Yeah. Hopefully like I'll be able to get tickets to a game and they play someone pretty decent that comes in. But you know, again, it's the NBA. I don't really care, but it would be cool to see some like guys like James Harden or Russell Westbrook or, um, you know, Giannis, some people like that. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, I do like NBA Twitter the best. It's pretty funny. And just how everybody makes fun of Kawhi, no matter what he does and how little he said. Everybody. Did you see that pregame speech he gave before the game yesterday? Yes. Like okay. That was like the most unenthusiastic thing like I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And it was a Lakers. It's weird when the Clippers and Lakers play each other because technically that was a Clippers home game, but it was like a Lakers crowd, which is always going to be in L.A. So it, it, it was just funny. Uh, but you know what? Hold this is a football podcast, and we are going to talk about some SEC football as well as national football. Um, JB, did you know this is week nine? Meaning most teams have played at least seven games, which means we are more than halfway <laughs> through the college football season. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but it is what it is right now. I was aware of that, and it's also the last Saturday in October too, which means we only have one more full month of college football before the regular season is over. So, I mean, that would actually, after this week, and we'll be two-thirds of the way through the season. So, yeah, it's uh, starting to wind down. And it's, I'm starting to get a little bit sad. Yeah. If we think about the beginning before the season started and where we are today <clears throat> um, with SEC football, where our expectations were and where they are now with SEC, some of the SEC teams, what – kind of stands out for you something that's completely changed from where we start the season to where we are now? Um, It'd have to be the development of Joe Burrow and the LSU offense. I mean, from week one, I remember watching the LSU's opener in week one. I was really, really impressed with the offense. And I said, you watch this, this offense is for real. Like I know they're not playing anyone really good, but I was really confident that that LSU offense was going to be legit after I saw them play that their opener. Because like when LSU would play, you know, cream puffs and openers, they would still struggle to move the ball. But they moved the ball at such ease, and the offense just looked in really good sync. And I said to myself that this offense is going to be legit. And they turned into the uh, best – arguably the best offense in the country. Well, you know, with LSU, um, every year it's like a new year where they're going to they're gonna spread the ball around and their offense is going to open up. And <laughs> they're going to be this dynamic passing offense that's – Everybody wants them to be, but um, they, they haven't been that until this year. So my, my take on it is eventually you keep saying the same thing. Eventually it's going to turn true. And I think that's kind of what happened this year with uh, Joe Burrow and really Joe Brady, which um, I'm not sure if y'all are, y'all are keeping up with everything, but I'm definitely um, keeping up with QBs coming out uh, to the, out of college this year to the draft and Burrow's obviously one of them. The theory is that uh, Brady, Joe Brady could get hired as offensive coordinator with Joe Burrow wherever he goes, kind of like Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, even though that's not completely the same thing, but it's kind of the same thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Joe Burrow or uh, Joe Brady get a <laughs> NFL gig somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be wherever Joe Burrow ends up, but um, that would be an interesting matchup. I still remember not that long ago when people were talking about how an NFL team should hire uh, Kevin Sumlin is their head coach and draft Johnny Menzel. So that's so hard to believe now because that's it's we're so far away from that's speaking of that. That that's kind of like if you just flash back 
about like even even uh, whatever it was two years ago before um, UCLA hired Chip Kelly, there was this huge bidding war between Florida and UCLA, and um, I'm sure there was another school trying to get him as well, but it was mainly Florida and UCLA. And uh, even with whenever Florida didn't get Chip Kelly and they hired Dan Mullen, it was funny, the whole thing, because Strickland stood up there and looked everybody in the eye and said, Dan Mullen was our first choice. I don't know if I believe that. I, I feel like that's a bunch of bullshit hold. I don't know how, where you stand on that, but um, it seems, seems like a good choice now, but it doesn't seem like that was the, um, the thing at the time that Dan Mullen was their true first choice. No, I don't think he was, but it definitely did work out. I think that Dan Mullen is the coach that Florida needed at this time. Um, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a national championship caliber coach, like an urban Meyer or a Steve Spurrier. But I definitely think he brings that program a ton of stability, and you've seen it literally as soon as he's shown up. Um, you know, I don't know how much, you know, he brings as far as the upside, but I do know that, you know, he's definitely raised the floor of that program and a program that was really unstable under Jim McElwain, and he's really brought a lot of stability. And, um, you know, they're winning the games they're supposed to win, and uh, they're even winning some games they're not supposed to win, and they're avoiding losing games that they're not supposed to lose. So, I mean, you put all those things together, and, um, you know, you got yourself a pretty solid program. And, um, you know, the question will be, can you build on it long term? Where do you where do you stand whole, on the same question I asked, JB, on where we started the season to where we are now, halfway through the season, on biggest change in your expectations for a team or biggest like surprise or coaches or players, anything like that, you can go outside of SEC if you want to. Oh man. Um, you know, I really thought that we would see a little bit, I mean, this, I mean, obviously LSU, LSU's offense is, is the biggest, but uh, aside from that, I would really just say like Texas A&M just in general, um, you know, they've been a solid team this year. Like, you know, nothing like they haven't been terrible or anything, but, you know, you definitely kind of expected them to take that next step forward and they just have it. I mean, you know, you look at their roster and Kevin Sumlin recruited so well and Jimbo Fisher recruited, recruited so well. And obviously he's only brought in, you know, one or two. I mean, I don't know if the first class count is like a full class or, or not, but you know, either way, really highly recruited classes, uh, really highly recruited players all over that roster. And, you know, like, who are they? You know what I mean? Like, where, where are they at? Like, you don't look at Texas A&M the same way you look at Alabama and LSU as far as talent, you know, but they recruit, like, not too far behind. So you just wonder, like, where's the, you know, where's the disconnect there? Like, how come these guys are super highly ready coming in, but then they're not really productive? Like, there's no position group on Texas A&M's roster where you look at and you're like, wow, like, they're loaded right there. I mean, they got some good receivers, I think. But, uh, I mean, aside from that, you know, it's not like they're loaded at defensive line or linebacker or secondary or anything like that. It's just a very bland football team. They don't really have a strength or an identity. And um, I guess, I just think in like year two under Jimbo, I was expecting a little bit more of a step forward. They still have opportunities. They have Georgia and LSU at the end of the year. Both of those are away, so it's going to be tough to win. But they still have um, opportunity. But, I mean, Right now, you're looking at a seven and five year is what you would project them. But if they get one of those wins against Georgia or LSU, then it's eight and four. Then you know, I, I think they had eight and four last, but that's not that's not too bad of a year if they beat Georgia. Yeah, it's different. It's definitely different. I mean, eight and four the schedule they had last year versus schedule they had this year is is like night and day. I mean, it's a completely different team. Yeah, but yeah, they're number like 
I think it was like number three recruiting class of 19. They're all, so they're just freshmen this year. So they do have a lot of great players, but I wouldn't expect them to really make an impact until next year or maybe even their junior year. It just depends. And they're, they haven't stacked recruiting classes on top of each other yet. Yeah, but I mean, even Summon was recruiting really well when he was there. You know, I mean, recruiting was never his problem. So, yeah. I mean, even though, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of it comes down to getting the right guys and all that stuff. But still, when you when you have that many highly ranked recruiting classes in a row, you just expect to have more dudes. You know what I mean? You just expect, you just expect more of the guys who have been there. And uh, even the guys who recruited under someone, like you just, you just expect that they would uh, be contributing. They'd be a lot more talented football team than they are. Yeah. Nationally, and I know you're going to be on board with this whole, I'm probably most disappointed with uh, – I would say Washington State, but not not even them really. I, I the one that uh, sticks out the most is Purdue. They're I think they've won two games out two and five, and um, I know you really like their coach Holt, but they just haven't looked great yet. They did beat Vanderbilt, which I guess is something, but they're, um, they're not there yet. No, and I mean they they definitely struggled this year. It's been a tough year with some injuries, but you know at the same time. Um, definitely not what you want um, out of Jeff Brom. I still like him long-term. Um, you know, Purdue's obviously a pretty tough place to win, but uh, when Rondell Moore went down and, you know, they've had some really tough games. I mean, I think Minnesota's a lot better than we expected. And, yeah. you know, some other, you know, tough teams in the Big Ten, at least for Purdue, you know what I mean? It was just – it's been kind of a rough year and things haven't really gone their way. Losing that first game to Nevada really hurt their chances uh, to have a good season this year. And, um you know, but yeah, I mean, they, they've definitely been a little bit disappointing, but I don't think anyone was expecting them to win like 10 games or anything like that. News around the SEC. The only news snippet I have is what Holt just texted me, which was about uh, Scott Strickland tweeting out who, who wants to play Florida. Look, let's make this happen. Uh, Holt, I'm assuming you have a strong opinion on this. Well, I wouldn't say like a strong opinion. I mean, I guess it was just, uh, you know, this. I mean, well, first of all, this isn't the first time Strickland's done this. If you remember, the Mississippi State Kansas State series was actually put together over Twitter. Um, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was back when I was in school a long time ago. But uh, any, anyway, um, yeah, so for those people who don't know, like, you know, basically Strickland tweeted out, you know, that they're looking for a, you know, another power five matchup home and home series, um, you know, in the near future, you know, because obviously a lot of fans are complaining about the lack of good home games, quality home games, and, uh, you know, too many power five or group of five SCS teams. So um, that was basically the point he was making. And then I think it was Iowa State's AD tweeted back, you know, basically saying like, you know, you know, we already play Iowa out of conference plus like nine conference games. Like the SEC needs to step up and play nine conference games. So, you know, I mean, it's always the nine conference games thing is always a good debate. But I just wanted to bring it up just because, um, you know, it was it was in the news and, um, you know, Scott Strickland is I'm I'm not like a big fan of him. So I always enjoy when someone roasts him on Twitter. But um, anyway, I mean, it is tough for Florida because they have to play Florida State every year. So they've kind of gotten a bad rap for not playing much out of conference because of that game. Um, but I kind of like where we're going. I think 10 power five matchups a year for each power five team is, is about perfect for me. I would like to see 10 
uh, Power Five conference games, and then I would like to see, or not Power Five conference games, but ten Power Five matchups e- each year, um, at least eight conference games, and then maybe one against a group of five, and then one against an FCS team. That's kind of like the way I look at it. I know JB is very anti, uh, maybe not very anti FCS, but he's definitely on the on board with getting rid of FCS games altogether. But um, that's just kind of where I stand on it, um, and I think it's pretty, you know. I mean, it's not a bad idea to try to get some publicity. And, you know, obviously um, the crowds have played a big factor in this as well because, um, you know, crowd sizes are down. A lot of fans are complaining that the home schedules aren't as good as they uh, should be and they're not worth it. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. So I know that was kind of a long-winded answer, but you guys can either comment or we can move on or whatever you want to do. Wouldn't it be kind of awkward if he tweeted that out and um, like Illinois' athletic director tweeted it out and said, like, yeah, dude, let's make it happen. And he was like, uh, sorry, bro, you aren't good enough for us. I think that'd be kind of funny if it like – I see, yeah. the problem is like athletic directors, they have to be politically correct. But like I kind of like the way – and this is this is another big news snippet. Um, I kind of like the way Lane Kiffin approaches – like marketing his program he does some like shock value tweets and um snippets or um sound bites and i think i think that's the best because i mean you remember whenever he was at tennessee jb he said a lot of like shocking shit to just to get everybody to talk about tennessee and tennessee was like one of the most talked about teams that year in the offseason yeah any news Lane kiffin is good news but i don't know how you all feel about that but like Personally, like I just kind of like Lane Kiffin, the the person. I just think he's hilarious. Like whenever he tweeted out the the like blind refs um, after they lost to I think uh, Marshall, whoever it was, because uh, I guess there was a bad call or two, and he, he tweeted at Conference USA with a picture of the blind refs. I thought that was hilarious because even though he got fined, it was only five thousand dollars, which probably is nothing to him. I think it's funny because. The, the picture is funny, but I think it also got everybody to talk about FAU. And it's kind of like a, just a funny thing all, to, all around whenever he – like somebody has some kind of video of like a, like a random fighter, like a girl's tackling a guy or something like that, and they, he always tweets at him, like, come to the FAU. I just think that's, that's funny, and I just think it's good marketing for – especially for FAU who doesn't get a lot of attention otherwise. Yeah, well, there's no, there's always a lot of talk about Lane Kiffin, but I don't feel like there's as much talk about FAU. I feel like the first year there, a lot of people were keeping up with FAU, but the last couple of years, it's you know, it's been people just talk about Lane Kiffin just because he's always tweeting stuff out and he's always tweeting stuff SEC related uh, to kind of stay relevant, I guess, in the conference. Uh, I think it's kind of like a like a ploy by him to just kind of stay relevant and hope that someone in the SEC will hire him in the near future. But think think how much better it would be if. Scott Strickland just started calling out other athletic directors, or other teams. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that because you have to be politically correct as athletic director. But think think how much better and how much more entertaining it would be if he just started calling out calling out everyone. Yeah, like just started talking shit about like Ohio State's AD and like how he's afraid to play him and stuff like that. Yeah, like like we he could even talk about like yeah, y'all finally figured out to get rid of. Urban Meyer, like, gracefully after he lied to your program for 20 years, whatever whatever it was. I don't know. I just think he could have – I think it would be so much more entertaining. Another thing, while I'm on my little soapbox here, is when you talk about scheduling, most people schedule out, like, five years or some like, yeah. 
far out. And that just kind of makes me mad. I, and the thing how much better it would be is if you didn't make your schedule until like the off season, especially for right. conference, because you don't know who's going to be good. Like so UCF scheduling Florida or whoever, whatever big power five team, you don't know if UCF is going to be like the same UCF they were last year, five years from now. But you, you know, the year before, you know, the off season, you know, in June or whenever it's May that they're going to be good that year. So you could schedule it then. I just don't know why it has to be so far out. I just make it so much better if they shorten the time frame. Yeah, I definitely think that they should uh, kind of make it a rule across college football that you're not allowed to schedule the game officially until, you know, maybe like a year or two in advance. Uh, because some of these games that are getting scheduled like for 2030 and 2031 and stuff like that, it's just like it's just pointless. It's a waste of time. You know, you only play 12 games a year. It's not that hard to schedule. Um, you know what I mean? You look at basketball and they got, you know, they do everything like in the off season basically. So, I mean, you just – I don't know. I just feel like it's way easier just to save it up and then that way you get a lot more quality matchups because you actually know who's good and you can – it's a lot easier to forecast quality matchups. Um, you know what I mean? Like you can always go for like the name brand. Like I know you guys – I bring this up every time we talk about it. But, like you remember a few years ago like Nebraska played Miami and like – everyone's calling it like a helmet game because uh, like neither team was any good anymore. But when it was scheduled, everyone was like, Oh my God, Nebraska and Miami are playing home and home. And you know, 15 years. And then like by the time the game rolls around, they both suck. So it's just, you know, you just want to see like better matchups, better out of conference matchups. And um, I just wish they would uh, kind of get rid of that so that teams had more flexibility and uh, they could create more quality matchups. And I, I think that'd be good for the attendance of college football. I think it'd be good for, the viewership of college football, I just think that all around it would be better, um, you know, for all of college football, for the fans, everything. Me too, Holt, me too. There are five, only five SEC games this week, uh, kind of a bye week for most, a lot of teams. And then there are a lot of good games nationally. JB, what is your <laughs> game that you're looking forward to the most this week? Well, then the SEC, I mean, it's obviously Auburn LSU, but nationally, it's uh, the Michigan Notre Dame matchup. I mean, this is uh, Harbaugh versus Brian Kelly. It's a rematch from last year. Uh, this one's in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan is pretty much playing for their lives right now, and also Harbaugh. I mean, I think they're pretty much eliminated from the playoff, but I would still give them maybe a 1% shot that if they went out and get some big wins that they might be able to sneak in. I don't think they will, but also at the same time, uh, they're hosting Notre Dame, a rival. It's the end of that uh, two, you know, home and home series, and they're looking for revenge. And I think they're they're going to be up to the challenge, and they might be able to upset Notre Dame and take Notre Dame out of consideration. That's obviously an interesting game uh, for what you, for the reasons you just laid out. I'm also interested in the Wisconsin Ohio State game, just to see how Wisconsin uh, comes back or rebounds after losing to Illinois, which is crazy that they lost to them. But because uh, I thought. Before last week, I still kind of think this. So Wisconsin is one of the only teams that could beat Ohio State in the Big Ten. But I guess Penn State could as well. But, um, Holt, um, I know JB talked about Auburn, LSU, and the SEC. But, um, and maybe JB just didn't want to have any bias. But to me, I'm more excited about the South Carolina-Tennessee game in the SEC than the Auburn-LSU game. For, you know, both teams kind of on the rise. And both teams think they should win this game. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, South Carolina's played really well the last couple weeks, but, you know, I think we all know that they're not going to keep it up. 
Um, Tennessee has, has bounced back. You know, the last few weeks they um, obviously beat Mississippi State at home, and they had a pretty decent showing against Alabama. So, um, you know, I mean, this is definitely a pretty exciting game, and I'm just really excited to see if Will Muschamp can keep a streak alive. He still never lost to Tennessee, even as like <laughs> – as bad as a coaching career as he's had and as many years as he's been in the SEC East, he's still not lost to Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see if they can finally break that streak in Knoxville. Because Florida never lost to Tennessee. I mean, they've only beat – Tennessee's only beat Florida that one year with Bush Jones and McElwain at Tennessee with game day. So I can understand that, which is crazy to think about itself. But then it's weird to think South Carolina hasn't beat Tennessee or Muschamp hasn't beat Tennessee because Tennessee – or Bush Jones beat – South Carolina a lot with Spurrier because I think Jimmy you can help me out with this this was one of those games that um, when South Carolina was usually pretty good they were ranked when Tennessee beat them this was like one of those games that kind of helped save Butch Jones or prolong his career or tenure at Tennessee's than beating South Carolina every year oh uh, yeah I mean they they beat him in 14 and 15 but uh in 16 um that was the year when Tennessee was uh had one loss or no two losses going into that game and they had a week off, and that was the game when uh, Tennessee uh, got upset by South Carolina. That was uh, Jake Bentley's first start as uh, South Carolina Gamecock. And also, uh, that was the last game for Jalen Hurd in the Tennessee uniform because he quit after that game was over. What a bitch-ass move. Although, he's he's doing all right. He's in, he's in the foul. I don't know how much he's actually playing, but, um, you know, you look back on his decision to transfer to Baylor and switch from running back to – wide receiver slash tight end. I think that was a smart move. It was definitely well thought out. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, you got to give him credit. Uh, he did pretty well, you know, going and, you know, quitting the team, but also uh, becoming a wide receiver because he didn't want to take any more hits or not as many hits. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, for y'all, y'all not in the – the no Holt just texted me something very inappropriate to say on the podcast that I can't repeat out loud. So um, this is uh, not this is basically um, not for for families. Not for family. Well, this this podcast isn't isn't always for family. I mean, I, I did drop the f bomb earlier, but I think this might have been worse. Um, so JB, um, can Tennessee beat South Carolina here, and this be uh, Jeremy Pruitt's uh, game to kind of not necessarily save him as a coach, but like get the fans back on board and like, oh, man, we're actually we're actually going to make something out of our team this year. Well, if you did listen to the uh, recap podcast, I don't think, know if you did, but I did mention that I think some of the fans have cooled off a little bit on Jeremy Pruitt just because of the way the team has performed the last few weeks. That uh, was bad, but wasn't bad though, huh? to me. That Alabama game wasn't bad. I mean, that, that Garantano fumble at the goal line or whatever you want to call it, whatever it was, I mean – they get that touchdown like they should have. It would have been like what twenty to twenty eight, and they twenty eight twenty. Yeah, it would have been twenty eight twenty with you know seven thirty left. I mean, Alabama had to play pretty much you know all four quarters. Like they couldn't just coast like the rest of the game like they had every other game this season. Like that was the first game they actually got somewhat tested where they had to play. But yeah, so you're telling me, you're telling me that's not a good coaching. No, no, that's not a coaching mistake. That was a player going rogue and going against. Wait, no, no. I understand that. I'm saying you're saying Tennessee fans cooled off on Jeremy Pruitt, but I'm saying that them almost being within one score of Alabama with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, I think that's good coaching, especially since the game's at Alabama. I mean, yeah, you can def- I definitely uh, talked about it in the recap that uh, it was a very good game plan 
by Pruitt. And uh, also Jim Chaney. I thought Jim Chaney called one of his best games of the year, too. Uh, Chaney uh, had a, the offensive line for Tennessee has really come together in the last few weeks. It's starting to generate a push against opponents. Uh, it was able to get a push against uh, Mississippi State's defensive line. And then against Alabama, they were able to generate a pretty decent running game against them, too. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, the team is getting better. The defense is improving. I think the only the main missing piece for Tennessee is a consistent quarterback. Uh, with Maurer going down, you know, with two consecutive concussions and Garantano coming in, it really limits what Jim Chaney, and the off, what Jimmy, Jim Chaney can call for the offense. And it limits what the offense can do as well. But I will say that Garantano uh, fumbled the goal line is an example of a player going rogue and going against what the play call is because the play call was going to have the lineman pull to the left and create a seam up the left side. And um, if you watch the replay and then look at the, you know, the drone footage, you can see that uh, it would have been a walk-in touchdown if uh, Garantano didn't, you know, go rogue on that play. I've heard this so many times, like my ears are bleeding about this play. So like I'm, I've, I've heard it and like, I can see Zach with Tomo, but I'm just tired of hearing about it. Cause it was just a bad, bad play all around. But, yeah. Did you, uh, I don't, I don't know. But, I don't even know if I want to even say if it's selfishness or if it was just, uh, you know, he didn't understand the play call or if he was just, uh, you know, stupid football IQ. I mean, it's probably a little bit of all three. Holt Smash, can you actually break this game down for me? Because I, I don't know if JB's done a great job of breaking this game down. Tell me tell me why Tennessee can win this game. Well, I mean, number one, they're being – I mean, Will Muschamp is the coach of the other team. That's one reason why they can win. Um, I mean, I love Will Muschamp, like, as a person. I think he's a great guy and a great recruiter. But, like, let's be honest. Like, he definitely is known to fuck around in games like this. Like, I mean, I, I think South Carolina is – a little bit more talented than Tennessee, at least maybe not by recruiting rankings, but just like based on like what I've seen this year, I just think they're a little bit more talented team. But I mean, still like, you know, when one must champions your coach, I just always feel like there's a chance you're going to lose when you're playing a team that's, you know, a division one team. And I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's had a couple of decent match, a couple of decent games in a row. Um, but I mean, to me, the biggest thing for Tennessee is they've really got to slow down, uh, South Carolina's offense, which is surprising to say, but uh, South Carolina's offense is averaging over 400 yards a game. And, um, you know, Tennessee's given up almost 360. So um, definitely expect a pretty decent game out of South Carolina's offense in this one. But um, if Tennessee's defense can have a good game plan and, you know, come together, maybe force a couple of turnovers for a short field, then I think they have a chance. Um but I, I think Tennessee's defense is going to have to be a wins in this game because I don't think their offense is going to be able to get it done uh, alone. I think they're going to need some help question. from the defense for sure. That's the question I have is, how is Tennessee going to score in this game? Because South Carolina's defense has actually been playing well as of late. And Tennessee's offense, you just you don't know where you're going to get the, the scoring from. I guess running the ball, but, I mean, you got to at some point pass the ball because everybody would just sell out. And, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Georgia wasn't really able to run the ball with that much success on South Carolina. So, you know, I don't – you know, I mean, I I think Tennessee will do a decent job running the ball, but I just think that's so obvious what they're going to do. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like Jerry Prude is still um, – you know, I mean, I know Jim Chaney's offensive coordinator now, but it still seems like they're just running the ball every first down. Um just is very conservative play calling on offense. And I just don't know, um, you know, I just don't know what it's going to be like. 
you know, they definitely, just like I said, the defense is going to have to create some turnovers, maybe do something on special teams because I think uh, Tennessee's offense is really going to struggle on this one. Yeah, it'll still be a – Well, actually, the way I got this game going is that it's going to be an absolute defensive struggle for both sides. I think both teams are going to struggle to move the ball, honestly. I think Jerry Pruitt will have a pretty decent game plan to, uh, you know, try to limit what Helensky can do in the pocket and try to – and also Rico Dowdle won't be back yet. So this will be in, on the legs of Tavian Feaster, who did have a good game last yeah, week. He had a huge game last week. Yeah. But, I mean, I think this is going to be a defensive struggle. And also the weather forecast is supposed to be wet too. So that definitely uh, limits what you can do on offense as well. So, I mean, I could see this game being ugly, like maybe like a uh, – you know, 10-7, 13-10 type score at the end. That's just kind of how South Carolina plays. That's their MO, and that's definitely how Tennessee wins games now is ugly, especially against that Mississippi State game. Or the Mississippi State game was not, not pretty at all. Um, other games. The big game, obviously, Auburn-LSU. Um, we said this in the preview for LSU and Auburn to start the year. But I'm going to repeat it here. Um, it's an interesting little fact. This rivalry between Auburn and LSU, LSU leads the series all time, thirty to twenty-two, uh, with one tie. But I'm I'm assuming both of you know that Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge since 1999. So that's now what <laughs> twenty years. That is crazy to me. No, I mean it, I guess it's hard to win in Baton Rouge in general, but. I mean, there's been some really good Auburn teams that have not won in Baton Rouge. I just – that's kind of hard for me to play. Yeah, that's definitely hard to believe. And, you know, Auburn – I mean, this has been one of the best uh, series in the last – I mean, I guess you can go back as far as 20 years. I mean, this has been one of the best series in the, in the SEC for a while now. And uh, every year it's all, it's been a thriller. And, of course, last year was a thriller with uh, Cole Tracy hitting the game-winning field goal after Joe Burrow made a few clutch plays to lead him down in the field in the field goal range. And – I mean, this year, I don't think it'd be any different either. I think it's going to be another thriller. This is something, Holt, where you actually do get to see some good and exciting <laughs> offense from both teams. Um, LSU obviously has the explosive offense or, I guess, very high pass-heavy pass, pass heavy offense, uh, spread offense. And Auburn has, like, all the the trickery and the just big – explosive play so i mean to me this is a game on the very opposite end of the spectrum of tennessee south carolina where this one would be fun to watch because both teams are good but also because both offenses are fun to watch yeah i mean i i definitely think so um you know obviously this game is going to come down to two things uh number one it's going to be auburn's ability to slow down lsu's passing game but i think more importantly secondly and more importantly is auburn's or i'm sorry lsu's ability to slow down auburn's running game because to me, if this game is going to be close or if Auburn's going to have a shot to win this game, they're going to have to run the ball. Um, like right now, LSU, or Auburn is averaging 240 rushing yards a game. LSU's only given up 93 rushing yards a game. As bad as LSU's defense has struggled this year, they've been really stout against the run. Um, so really, to me, this game is going to come down to whether or not Auburn can run the ball. If Auburn can run the ball, it can be a close game and they could potentially pull the upset. But if they're not able to run the ball, you know, they're not going to be able to keep LSU's offense off the field. And I don't think Knicks is going to be able to keep up with Joe Burrow. So you put those things together. And to me, this game really just comes down to whether or not Auburn can run the ball. And, um, you know, obviously on the other side, 
Auburn's defense is really good. Might be the best defense that LSU's faced so far this year. In fact, I think it is. Uh, but, you know, the real question is, uh, to me, it's that LSU defense being able to slow down Auburn's running game because that's really what the game's going to come down to. Does the line or the over-under look um, appealing to you, Holt? LSU 11. You know, in a game like this, even though um, LSU's offense has been completely different this year, in a game like this, I just – I always lean the under. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, honestly, like, if L- – the over-under the over is 58 and a half. Um, if LSU put up 45 points in this game, like, I wouldn't be, like, shocked. But I just – in a game like this, a rivalry game, an SEC game, or you know, a really big game, um, you know, I just have kind of a gut feeling that this is going to be kind of a – you know, a physical game. I think both teams are going to be able to uh, – or both teams are going to kind of look to be physical and um, maybe control the ball a little bit more and maybe be a little bit conservative just because of that. And I think Auburn's uh, offense is going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I really do. And uh, I think they're going to try to control the clock. And I think they're going to be able to shorten this game a little bit, keep LSU's offense off the field. And I would kind of lean the under a little bit and also would lean Auburn to cover um, the 11 points. That's kind of where I would be leaning in this game. Um, I let some people down last week. Um, I went like 0 for 3, I think, on the three picks that I gave out. I had, what, the uh, the under in the, in the South Carolina-Florida game, which I think was still the right call. Um, I think that there was kind of just some BS touchdowns at the end that kind of blew that. Um Georgia's offense absolutely did not show up and did not cover against Kentucky. And then there was another one, but I forgot what it was. Oh, Mississippi State didn't cover against LSU. But, well, that's why you don't bet on – that's why I don't bet on Mississippi State. So, I thought LSU got the spread against Mississippi State because I bet on them, and I thought I won. I was saying that I bet on Mississippi State to cover against LSU. And they did not. Right, right. I, I... I, oh, they did not. So you got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying that's the one you got right. Yeah, you're right. Um, they did pull through for me. And uh, yeah, you were saying that um, last week, and I was wondering about that. And I was, I kind of talked well, myself in. Last I mean, last, last I thought weekend. states. I mean, yeah. I mean, they didn't. But I mean, the first half, I thought they they did about what I expected them to do. They LSU moved the ball. They kept them out of the end zone, and then they just had a busted coverage on a play, and LSU had a long touchdown before halftime, and got the ball to start the second half. But it's all good. You know what, because that, that just means Dude. that I'm due this week. I mean, you know, remember two weeks ago we talked about, uh, you know, when you're playing roulette and it's showing up black like three or four or five times in a row, that's when you know the red's coming. So, so my my good weekend is coming, so just be ready. My time is coming, Bell Boys. <laughs> JV, did CBS miss a chance to make this Auburn-LSU a night game? Um, they didn't because they only get one night game per year, and they made that – decision themselves during the preseason when they went ahead and chose Georgia Notre Dame as their, you know, primetime slot. I mean, I know a lot of people are pissed, you know, LSU and Alabama fans are pissed because the game in two weeks is not going to be a primetime game. Well, boo friggin' who. You've been getting the night game for the past eight years now. I think you can go without one night game. Why the hell do they only get one night game? I mean, I guess that's just the yeah, way. I thought like, it was two, but I guess it's, it's only one. They get two double headers per year, but only one of those double headers goes into a prime time slot. So CBS only gets one prime time game per year per contractual obligations. Then ESPN gets all the rest of them. That's that's the thing about ESPN. They get the night. They get 
more games, but they also get all the prime time slots except for one week, one weekend when that's going to be the uh, CBS game. Mm. So a doubleheader could be a noon and three thirty. Most likely, yeah. I mean, I I, I think uh, CBS is doing a doubleheader the day of LSU, man. I think they're doing a uh, eleven a.m. start or you know twelve Eastern, eleven Central, wherever you know in the SEC that games can be played that day. But that's I think that's what they're doing that day. But I, I did want to add one thing to this Auburn LSU game. Did you know that both defenses have both allowed you know on average three hundred nineteen yards per game? They're both mere images of each other, and not just total defense, but also in rushing yards a lot and passing yards. Uh, LSU's off defense is allowed 226, and Auburn's allowed 224, and then Auburn's allowed uh, 94 on the ground, while LSU's allowed 93 on the ground. So I mean, even though LSU's offense has looked bad at times, and we you know called Auburn's defense the best in the SEC, LSU has definitely come along in the last few weeks. Like I said, and I think their defense is starting to uh, finally gel a little bit as we uh, get, you know, into the meat of the season. Interesting fact from JB there. Holt, are you going to watch this Mississippi State A&M game with your your eyes closed? Um, I don't know if that's possible. Um, Yeah, or I could could listen to it while my eyes were closed, but I don't think I could watch it with my eyes closed. How about peeking? Peeking with one eye open. I I will be um, I will be watching this game with my eyes, but I will not be emotionally invested with my heart. That's what I've decided. Have you learned? Did you make the decision? No, I have. Like I I haven't been like truly emotionally invested um, in a Mississippi State game this year. Um, Like honestly, not even one. Um, First week. Against Louisiana Lafayette, I could just tell that they weren't going to be a great team this year, especially defensively. But it's really been kind of weird because the the offense has gotten worse over the course of the season, and the defense has gotten better. So, um, but yeah, coaching. At, at no point was I thinking like they were going to be good this year. So I, I've been kind of expecting uh, bad things, but. Maybe this is the game where Adam and Kelmond will prove to be like as good as you thought they were going to be and take that next step forward. Yeah, how crazy would that be? Like, that'd be like perfect timing. <laughs> good timing for old, wouldn't it? But I will say, I mean, Mississippi State's beaten AM like three years in a row. JB, so, will, you be able, will you be able to tell the difference between which team is which on the field Saturday? I will, but you know, this is a thing that uh, me and old talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, when A&M and, and State play, apparently both fan bases don't like to give away their maroon when they play each other. So, you know, State being the away team, State fans want State to wear as many, as much maroon as possible. So wear maroon helmets and maroon pants and maroon socks. And, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really matter because both teams definitely have different uniform styles. So, and for some reason, I feel like A&M's maroon, I mean, I, maybe I'm just seeing things, but it seems like their shade of maroon – is slightly darker than Mississippi State's. I don't know if I'm just, you know, have weird eyes or not, but for whatever reason, I can definitely tell a difference between the two. I mean, I can tell a difference because, I I mean, I I know each team, but, like, to me, like, if I asked my girlfriend or, like, any non-football watching person, I don't think they could tell a difference between the teams unless you see the logo and, like, the name. I mean, that's true. I mean, that could be the case, but – 
I mean, if I was the away team in this series, I would just wear all white. And if I'm the away, if I'm the home team, I wear all maroon. And I think you just switch back and forth each year. That's why that way you, it's harder to you know differ. It's easier to differentiate on the field for everybody. Hold, if I remember correctly, I think Jebby likes to wear neutral at a at, when he's a, the uh, visiting team. Um, are you saying like if he goes to a game as a fan? I'm I'm confused. Yeah. What are you saying? And he he never you never wear like the home team's color. And you never wear the away team's color. You always wear like a neutral color whenever it's not like either one of your teams. Oh yeah, except for that time we went to the Egg Bowl and he wore an Ole Miss visor. Oh yeah, well I think to be to get off JB's back just a little bit or get off his nuts a little bit, you do you do wear orange whenever Tennessee is the away team. So I think you did wear orange uh, whenever you went to the Ole Miss Tennessee game a few years back, which is kind of funny because that whole year you were going to Ole Miss games and you were probably wearing like either neutral or Ole Miss colors. And all of a sudden the same fans you've been sitting with the whole time cheering for Ole Miss, you switched to wearing orange and they're probably like, what the hell's going on? Oh yeah. They uh, definitely found out that I am not an Ole Miss uh, fan. Like they all thought I was an Ole Miss fan. Cause you know, I'm just sitting there in, in the, you know, the season ticket holder seats. And I mean, I don't really, I don't, I never, I don't know if they ever took a hint cause I'd never cheer when Ole Miss did anything good. I would just stand there, you know, with my arms folded, you know, standing up as the, big play would happen like it was like it was just nothing to me like I'm just a bystander what do you do though like hold if you're like the away team like in JB's case like you're not I mean this is a little different because you're definitely not an Ole Miss fan but like say like you were you were going to a um, South Carolina game which you have no rooting interest and you were sitting this the season season ticket holders section or wherever and South Carolina scored and like all your all the people around you, like, try to high-five you. Like, what do you do? You just go along with it? You're like, hey, bro, I don't care about this game. Yeah, I mean, I would probably just high-five them back and just, like, let them enjoy the moment. I wouldn't try to, like, not high-five them. I would just be like, yeah, man, that's great. Your team scored. But I wouldn't, like, be the one jumping up and down trying to high-five people. Yeah. But if someone offered me a high-five, I would accept it with a smile. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did, too. Like, I never went to, like – put my arm up and tried to high-five people. But if someone tried to high-five me, like, I'd high-five him back and just smile. Like, it's their moment. Let that's them enjoy that, it. That's that thing on uh, Twitter, like, things things white people say or like. It's like one of them was, like, high-fiving after their team does well at the game. Yeah, high-fiving everyone around them. But I, will, I will say, that, like, uh, my family has Cubs season tickets in Chicago, and I'm a Braves fan. And I would definitely, like, wear Cub stuff slash Wrigley Field stuff to most of the games, and I knew all the people who sat around us. And, like, I would, like, root – this is back when the Cubs were terrible, though. And then, like, I would, like, you know, root for them and, like, clap when they hit a home run or something. And then, like, the Braves came into town for a three-game series, and I was, like, decked out in Braves stuff. And everyone was looked at me like I was crazy. But you were you were also kind of a Cubs fan, too, so that kind of – Yeah, well, no, I was. But, I mean, at the same time, usually, like, most of my Cubs fandom, like, was like when I was living there, and they were also terrible, but I was still a Braves fan. J- JB, I, uh, this is a little um, foreshadowing, but this isn't Mississippi State A and M isn't a game we're going to be picking later. But I'm wondering what your thoughts on this. Is there any way Mississippi State can win this game? Um, sure. I mean, you know, it's kind of like um... oh, Wisconsin, Illinois, yeah. Well, not, not not Wisconsin, Illinois, but also I was trying to make a reference to Dumb and Dumber. Like, so you're saying there's a chance. I mean, I mean, there's definitely a chance. I mean, I'm not going to write off uh, Mississippi State that much. I might say that they have 
maybe a 10% chance, you know, to, to win this game. Well, I'll give him a little more of that. Maybe like 15%, I'd say, that they have a chance to win. Yeah, I think you were... ES- ESPN FPI has Mr. State with a 24% chance to win this game. I thought you were going to say 10%. Like, you know what? Actually, that sounds a little too high. Let's go 7 Let's go 7 <laughs> <laughs> It's a little too generous. Um, well, Holt, Holt thinks they're going to lose by like 50, and he doesn't have – he doesn't have – hope anymore which is like probably the worst thing in the world as a fan is when you lose it hope, isn't. It isn't. yeah for sure and then when you look at i mean it just the state just seems like they've regressed over the course of the season like as Holt said the offense has gotten worse the defense has gotten better and it definitely comes down to coaching uh you got your offensive genius joe moorhead his offense has gotten worse but then your defensive genius bob shoop his defense has gotten a little bit better and you know bob shoop lost a ton of guys from last year's team but you know he's Still, uh, you know, plugging away and trying to make his defense better. Meanwhile, Moorhead can't figure out which quarterback to start each week. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, you watch him play, and, like, I don't know if I would know who, who would play either because both of them, like, do some questionable things during the game. Yeah, I mean, Schrader is – like, the offense has been more productive with him in the game, but Stevens is definitely the better passer. Um, it's just, you know, Stevens – um, number one, he keeps getting hurt. And number two, he just looks like the moment's too big for him. You know what I mean? Like, there there were some times, especially in that Tennessee game, but in the Auburn game as well, where he just drops back and it just looks like he just freezes and he has no clue what to do. And uh, there was a few sacks he took against Tennessee where he should have just got, got out of the pocket, got rid, of, got rid of the ball, you know. And then there were some times where he had some open receivers and just totally missed them. I still believe that Stevens is the better passer, and I don't think we've seen the, the last of him this year. Um, but the team definitely rallies more around Schrader, and Schrader has been, um, you know, just more productive in SEC play as far as just moving the chains and just making plays. Even though it's been more with his legs, um, he's just, you know, he's moving the chains and um, keeping the offense on the field on the field more. But, I mean, to be fair, neither one of those played great. JB, will this be the biggest massacre of the year in the SEC when Arkansas plays Alabama in Tuscaloosa? It may be, but uh, two is not going to play, and it's also going to be in the midst of a downpour. It's supposed to be really awful weather in Tuscaloosa, and that's usually a great equalizer in any game. And I think that, you know, with Mac Jones playing, I don't expect Alabama to really open up, you know, to use the playbook as much. I mean, I think they're really just going to grind it, you know, use try to get the ground game going because they need to use this game to really utilize that. Because without Tua, you know, with Mac Jones in there, who is more of the game manager quarterback that we're used to seeing at Alabama, I think they're going to try to use this to get the ground game going. And with the weather uh, forecast the way it appears to be, I mean, I think that's what they're going to that, – that's what Sark is going to try to do with the offense on Saturday. That Did is- you all know – did y'all know that this is the first time in Saban's tenure at Alabama that he's had a starting quarterback miss a game due to injury? No, did not know that. That is very interesting because he's been there for like what ten years now. Yeah, crazy. You know that that explains a lot, Jeff. I was wondering because I was looking at this and I forgot about two and not playing two for a second, and the line is thirty-one. I was like, why would they only be favored by thirty-one against Arkansas? And even then, that still might be a little too low. Um, because I still think they could do a lot with Mac Jones and the, the receivers are the receivers are really well. So I mean, you can just dump it off to the receivers, and it's not like Arkansas is going to sh- stop stop them or anything. I mean, yeah, that, that's definitely true. But you know, you know, when you just watch football games and downpours, like it adds a different element to the game. Like you just don't see a lot of you know 
passing and, you know, heavy rain. I mean, maybe it won't be like that the entire game. But, I mean, if it is, I mean, usually in those kind of games, you're just going to be running the ball most of the time. It's supposed to rain all throughout the South on Saturday because, like, everywhere I looked, it's raining. How did you know about uh, raining in Tuscaloosa? Is that something your your dad's talking to you about, JB, or are you just, like, looking at the weather throughout the South? Um, I see it on the uh, ESPN thing. Like, you can uh, – it'll show you, like, the AccuWeather thing at the bottom, and then I started looking at other places in the SEC, and it's all showing the same thing. I mean, I think really in Alabama it's supposed to be the worst, though. Yeah. That would not be fun. Uh, do you think Holt uh, Saban's going to yell at the fans for not coming to this game in the downpour and staying through the whole game? Um, it seems like it's about that time of year, so maybe. Remember uh, when – But, I mean, I, I will say that, like, uh, I'm pretty sure at Alabama, like, uh, like clubs and, like, fraternities and sororities and stuff like that have, like, box seating – or not, like, block seating, I should say, where they have, like, a big group or a big section basically like just for them. And if they're not filling up those sections, then, I mean, you know, obviously Alabama tickets are really competitive because they're really good. But um, so, I mean, they can afford to, uh, you know, kick some people out and complain a little bit because they know they got someone else who's going to take their spot if yeah. uh, you know, they don't show up. I was going to say, do you remember when uh, Arkansas used to, you know, be shitty to start the year and finish strong? And then like some of these games, like these games against these higher ranked teams, you would actually kind of wonder like how is Arkansas going to do because they've been playing really close. I think they beat LSU like one year with Bielema. I think that was at Arkansas, but they finished strong like Bielema's first two years. And um, that was an exciting time to be an Arkansas fan because at least you had hope. This is very similar to how you feel at Mississippi State as a Mississippi State fan hole is that Arkansas fans like, I mean, it is Alabama, so they're supposed to lose by a lot, but they don't have any hope no matter who they're playing now. No, definitely not. I thought you were about to – for some reason, I thought you were about to bring up that Lee Tiffin game where he missed, like, five field goals and they lost to Arkansas. I don't know why, but – Was that was that Arkansas? I remember – I knew Yeah, that was, was, like, 2006. That was, like, the very end of the Shula era. Yeah. Glenn it may have been his last year. Yeah. It was. It's, it's weird when you think about, like, how some coaches get hired because, like, now Shula doesn't even seem like a great coach at all at Alabama. Like, why would they even start with him? But I guess um, he had the history or whatever. Yeah, well, for some reason, it was between him and Sylvester Croom. So, I don't think it – I think something was wrong with their search committee. Yeah. And also, Alabama was just uh, – the program was down at the time, too. They they were, you know, going through coaches like Candy and – That was program. right after the Mike Price thing. And it was also – it was right after Mike Price. It was in the middle of the summer when they had to make that hire. Uh, the program was, you know, on probation, too. I mean, nobody wanted the Alabama job at the time. I mean, they had, they had to settle, and they settled with Mike Shula that year. How times have changed, and maybe one day you like look up twenty years. Tennessee could be like that. Like nobody wanted a Tennessee job after you know they offered the job to twenty guys, and Pruitt finally took it. They fired him, but then they got this other great coach, and now he's doing well. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's how it could be for you. JB. Yeah, Mike Norvell. Yeah, hey, be careful. Hey, now he has a gambling problem, right, JB? He does, but uh, as Gary Parrish reported, uh, Mike Norvell would take the Tennessee job if offered. That's what he said about after the 2017 season. But I, know, I don't think I... you have to worry about that now. I think uh, Norvell, I think, is happy in Memphis. But you watch out if Mississippi State or Matt Luke come come knocking. I mean, I'm sure you would listen. See, as a Memphis fan, like you, you understand that your coach is going to leave you at some point if they're good enough. And 
That's why I think he's ultimately going to leave. And I just want him to go to a team that's going to be, like, decent. Like, I, I wouldn't want him to go to Tennessee. I liked when Fuente went to Virginia Tech because I could root for him there. If he went to Mississippi State, Norvell went to Mississippi State, I could root for him there. It's just – it just it's just gonna suck because like he's gonna have to get eaten alive by all the SEC West and uh, all the SEC coaches there, and it's just it's gonna be tough. It's like whatever is uh, Morehead said like a couple weeks ago. He's like, I didn't realize how hard it was in the SEC. He's like, what, what do you mean you don't realize? Like, what do you think you were getting yourself into? Yeah. Well, what's funny is he said that before like they had played LSU, so it's just like, man, you haven't even like played the good teams yet, like, and you're already like, you know, and you're already sobbing. But anyway, like. You know, I don't want to talk about Morehead too much, but he definitely is starting to play like the sympathy card, talking about how like, you know, his daughter was crying after the Tennessee game because some fans were bad mouthing him or whatever. And it's just like, look, man, like you get paid three like three million dollars a year to coach a football team, like no one feels bad for you. Like well, just suck it up. Like you you understand like what you're getting yourself into. And if you're not good enough and it's too hard for you, then just go somewhere else. Like I mean, no like go to Take a pay cut. Go be an offensive coordinator for, you know, USC or whoever, like, needs one at the end of the season. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't handle the pressure, then, like, you know, if you can handle the heat, get up out the kitchen, son. Like, geez. He's – uh, he's don't worry, Holly. He's, he's leaving for Rutgers at the end of the year. That's what everybody's saying. Apparently, Feinbaum just, like, roasted him for it, too. He, like, wouldn't leave him alone about it. Feinbaum's a little bitch-ass boy. I don't – I don't – I don't like Feinbaum. Dude, but – the funny thing was, is like when he's when Moorhead said he was staying, like all the like Mississippi State fans in the background started cheering, and I'm like, are these fake Mississippi State fans? Like, who did they put back there? Are these people that like the SEC Network just hires to like, <laughs> like, that, like the halftime show at the Super Bowl where they get those like fake fans to jump up and down on the field? Yeah, like that's basically what it was because it was like, why would they be cheering right now? Like he just said he's staying. If anything, just be silent. No. It's it could it could be better at Mississippi State. Tom are the best at Mississippi State. I, I get you all. Um, last game of SEC is Missouri Kentucky. Um, Missouri's favorite ten and a half points. This is one that um, I don't know because Missouri lost to Vanderbilt last week and they weren't supposed to lose that game. They could definitely come out firing firing against Kentucky, but um, this game is at Kentucky, and I just this is a tricky game. This is a game I'm staying away from betting Holt. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you for that, but. I really feel like Missouri is going to bounce back in this one. Um, Kentucky's really struggled this year. They have not been a great football team. And uh, they've – I mean, well, this game is at Kentucky. Um, so, I, for some reason, I was thinking it was at Missouri. But it is at Kentucky, so I apologize for that. But I still like uh, Missouri in this one. Uh, I think they're going to bounce back and I get a solid win this week over Kentucky. And, um, you know, really disappointed with the offense last week. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think they bounced back this week and Kelly Bryant has a big game. I think I came to the realization something you came, you understood a while ago, Holt, but I, I just don't think Bay Odom's a good coach. I mean, they have a five and two, no. but they lost to Wyoming and Vanderbilt, like two shitty ass teams. I mean, Wyoming's not as bad, but they lost to both those teams when they should have won. They should be undefeated right now. They're, they haven't really played a tough team and they, they're five and two and he he's not getting himself on the hot seat just because they have a five and two record, but like, Good Lord, I mean, just be undefeated. Yeah. Be who you're supposed to be. Well, the thing is, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is that, like, I said this before the season when people were talking about, oh, Barry Owens not on the hot seat. But I'm like, look, he underachieved last year. If he underachieves again this year, like, I mean, you got to be on the hot seat. Anytime you have back-to-back seasons where you underachieve as a football team, like, the coach is going to be on the hot seat. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, you can't have back-to-back underachieving seasons. They've had two great opportunities 
to contend in the SEC East, and they've blown both of them. I mean, I, you know, I know that they may not have been able to play in the SEC championship game this year if they'd have made it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, they had an opportunity to have a really good season this year, and they totally blew it. Um, you know, obviously – Losing at Wyoming is just stupid. Losing at Vanderbilt uh, the week after they had just gotten blown out by UNLV. Um, you know, I'm just not impressed with Barry Odom. Um, you know, I thought last year's team was had a chance to be really good, and they really only showed it a couple times. And they, you know, losing lose games are not supposed to lose and uh, not show up against the good teams in their schedule. And, you know, you just start to wonder, like, um, what is he bringing to the table? Like, why is his job safe? Debbie, what do you have to say about this game for Missouri and Kentucky? Uh, this basically um, can can Lynn Bowden make enough plays? I mean, it's it's so crazy. Like he's the best player on their team. He's the best player on the field. But I mean, he he played quarterback in high school. I, I know that. But uh, he you know he hadn't played quarterback you know in in college until this year, and they just throw him out there at quarterback because you know they have no one else to put. And I mean he. I just want to see what he can do. Like, you know, he, he kept him, you know, in the game last week, you know, for a while against Georgia before Georgia, you know, finally, uh, you know, started enforcing their will. But I, I do – I actually am more on the side that I think Missouri is going to bounce back. They seem to play better in games against teams that are, you know, I guess more competitive, I guess. Like, the two losses they have are against teams that they were expected to blow out. And this week, um, I think they're probably a slight favorite – so I think this is one of those games they're going to come out and play well. Like, you know, you saw how they played against South Carolina. I mean, they controlled that game from the get-go. And, I mean, I think this game could be very similar for Missouri. But, man, when you look at the rest of their schedule, I mean, it's it's really sad. Like, they're probably going to finish with an 8-4 and four record when they should honestly be 10-2. and two. Very sad all around, Jamie. I would agree with you there. It's almost time for the famous – World famous. World famous picks of the week. The last question I have for you fellows before we get to the picks is, and this is very personal for me, but who is the best group of five team to play in the New Year's Six Bowl? You mean like this year? Yes. Man, um, there's there's so many options. I mean, you want to start older me? I think you should start because I'm not sure. Okay, well, you got SMU. SMU is one of them. App State is another. Uh, Memphis is on that short list. Boise State, I still think, will be on the short list at the end of the season. I think right now, I mean, unless I'm forgetting someone, I would say those four are probably the teams that you're going to be looking at uh, come, you know, I guess, you know, conference championship week. I mean, it's all about who finishes higher in the top 25 polls. I think that's how they determine who gets that New Year's Six first. So if you're one of those teams, you just got to keep winning. Like, you can't really afford a loss. So Memphis already has their loss. They can't lose with another one. Uh, Boise State already has a loss. They can't lose another. I mean, I think – but if, if any – if SMU runs the table, they're they're definitely going to be the shoe in. And, and if, if – let's say if SMU loses and you got the other teams that went out, and App State finished undefeated. I mean, I think App State would be ahead of them in the polls, and I think App State might be your New Year's Six bowl bid. Who Who is the best team? That, that, there's a couple of things about that. SMU and Memphis play each other, so, like, not both of them are going to be in. There's going to be a team from American that's going to be, like, representing for sure. And then, Oh, Cincinnati. Isn't Cincinnati one loss? Yeah, Cincinnati's one loss. They would play in the um, – I think champ, they would play in the championship. So, it could be – That's another one, too. Yeah, Cincinnati could be there, too. 
Um, Cincinnati, even even no Temple has two losses. I think now uh, Tulane, I guess technically could with one loss, but um, yeah. So it's be somebody in American is going to be there for sure, and then um, Boise State could be, and then App State for sure. Uh, but the question is, App State obviously plays South Carolina, and that's going to be actually a really good game now because South Carolina is playing a lot better than they were a few weeks ago. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but if App State runs the table for sure, they're gonna they're probably gonna. Yeah, and not to get too far ahead, but that App State-South Carolina game is going to be important in two ways. One, for App State to try to stay on the feed and get to the New Year's Six. And one, South Carolina needs that win to try to get to a bowl. Oh, who's the best team, the group of five team, by by looks? Like, the eye test is what I'm asking, I guess. I mean, I would still say Boise State, um, even though they had a tough loss against BYU last week. Um, I just really like their physicality. I just think they're more of a complete football team. Um you know, with Memphis, I like Memphis, but I don't like their quarterback. Not saying he's bad. He's just big, big games. Know. Tough. And yeah. Well, he's just, and the, I just don't think he's great. You know what I mean? Like he's just, it's kind of got that, uh, Kellen Mond thing going on where it's like, you kind of want him to take that next step and he just never does. He kind of just stays at like an average to, you know, sometimes below average quarterback. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I do like Memphis. I just, I, just trust Boise State a little bit more. I just think they're a little bit more disciplined as a football team, and they're just a little bit more physical. That's that's kind of why I would lean more towards them. Yeah. It'll be fun to play out, and I actually like watching uh, group of five teams a lot, personally. So. I'm, I'm, actually with, uh, I'm actually kind of leaning to Cincinnati. I think besides the Ohio yeah. State game, I mean, they've been dominating almost everybody they play, and their defense is no joke. I mean, that's definitely the best defense in the group of five, and I mean, I, I think they could actually run the table the rest of the way. Yeah, they Cincinnati are, is really good too. They aren't getting enough love. They they are really good. I, I thought the exact same thing is the besides. And yeah, I think I think because everyone was so excited to see them play Ohio State, and everyone heard about that defense, and I think everybody was watching that game and saw them get just absolutely killed by Ohio State. I feel like that's kind of what's holding them back a little bit. They've had some good wins since then. Obviously, they beat UCF at home. Um, you know, I mean, they've been a really good team this year, and. I don't think you can really hold that Ohio State loss against them. Right. And then also Cincinnati, <clears throat> excuse me, Cincinnati and Memphis will be playing each other on Black Friday the last uh, week of the regular season. That game could be a eliminating game for, uh, you know, the loser. And the winner will still be in contention or possibly a front runner to make it to New Year's Six Bowl, depending on how everyone else finishes. What's funny about that is Memphis and Cincinnati could play each other twice if for some reason, like Memphis. That is play. true. And then Cincinnati should represent there. But um, we'll see. There's still a lot of football to be played. So it'll be fun to watch. All right. I think it's time for our world famous uh, picks of the week. I have eight games this week that we are picking. And these are eight games that I have chosen against JB's suggestion. So, so you got, I had 10. So you took away two from my list. Uh, no, I did eight games without even looking at your list. So some of them match up and some of them don't. So, um, it's more exciting for me, especially when you, you both of you don't have time to prepare and you have to think on the spot. It's more well. I'm going to tell you this, Alex. If you leave off a game that's good, I'm going to add it on at the end. I mean, you can be a little bitch ass if you want, but we'll see. I'm uh, keeping tabs, Alex. You got to remind everybody what the score is. Uh, well, actually, JB or Holt is going to have to remind what the score is because I, I'm not keeping up. If I keep up, I think Holt has a three game lead. He has a two game lead. Two game lead, and then what? What happens with the winner and the loser, JB? I feel like I explain this every week. How about Holt takes the lead this time since he's a leader? 
Cole doesn't like explaining. That's it's more fun to listen to you explain. Yeah, JB's JB's getting frustrated right now. I'm not really sure why, but uh, pick his ten games. I, I, th- I think I think he just like is really proud of like his picks or like not his picks, but like his games that we're supposed to pick. And I think he feels a little slighted that that you're picking them. And I think he's sort of afraid you're going to pick some games that aren't going to be fun to pick. So I think he's just a little worried. But basically, for those of you who are new to the show, uh, first of all, welcome. Uh, where where the fuck have you been? Um, this is uh, our world famous picks, and right now I have a two game lead over JB for the over the course of the season. And at the end of the season, uh, whoever is the loser has to wear uh, some memorabilia of the winners team and make it their take a picture, make it their Facebook picture, their Twitter picture for one month, and um, also. I'm, honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. If uh, I win, I'm probably going to take the picture of JB and make it my screensaver uh, for <laughs> probably longer than a month. You should honestly make it your profile picture, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, I'm kind of glad like I'm uh, I get to watch this play out because it's it's fun for me either way. I mean, I kind of I kind of want you to win more Holt, but. It, honestly, if if JB wins, it's probably gonna be more embarrassing for you because you have more you have more Mississippi State fans and like you went to Mississippi State and you're a frat and all that stuff, so it's gonna be tough for sure. Yeah, plus I make fun of a lot of my uh, Tennessee fan friends a lot that went to Mississippi State uh, about being Tennessee fans. Um, some of them like disown Tennessee now that like they're you know they went to state. Some of them like are still Tennessee fans, but there's maybe like three or four guys I know. Um, who are from the state of Tennessee, who grew up Tennessee fans that went to state. So they definitely will have fun with uh, with that because I've been giving them shit for a long time about being Tennessee fans. Without further ado, we were getting away to our eight games that JB is not going to like. Starting off with Wisconsin at Ohio State. JB. I'm going to go with the Buckeyes here. I think right now they're arguably the best team in the country. Actually, not arguably. I think they are the best team in the country right now. I mean, they just look like a juggernaut. That is a uh, not a popular opinion. Everybody has Ohio State in the top five, but nobody has them as the best team right now, I don't think. Um, but I'm glad you have an opinion. That's different. Holt, who you got? Yeah, I got Ohio State as well. I really like Wisconsin this year. I just don't think that they match up very well with Ohio State. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit closer game than maybe some others do. I don't know if Ohio State's just going to show up and kill them, but, you know, I still like Ohio State to get the win in the end. I just think that they're a little bit more explosive on offense, and I think the defenses are both really good. So it should be an exciting game, but I trust Ohio State's offense to make a few more big plays in this one. The official stance at SEC Slow Smoked is rooting for Wisconsin in this game, correct? Duh. Yeah, and we got to make sure to uh, make fun of Ohio State for sure if they lose. Um, next game, Western Kentucky at Marshall. J.B. I'm gonna have to go with uh, Marshall here, the Thundering Herd. Well, can you tell me anything about Marshall, JB? Besides, we are Marshall and Matthew McConaughey. I mean, they beat Florida Atlantic last week, and Lane Kiffin's still yep. pretty salty about it. Yeah. But at uh, Western Kentucky, uh, what I do know about them is that Ty Story is their starting quarterback, and they're currently five and two, and they play at Arkansas in a few weeks, and I actually am low key excited for that one because I I would love to see Ty Story going to Fayetteville and and lead his Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, Hilltoppers to a victory. That's the one where the um, – it was the Tennessee offensive coordinator, right, that's there now, the coach for Western Kentucky? That is Tyson Helton. Yeah, yeah. Holt, who you got? 
Yeah, this is a really good matchup. I'm glad you picked this one. Um, one thing you notice about Marshall is they are very balanced on offense. They're averaging 217 yards of passing each game and 216 on the ground. So very, very balanced football team. Uh, however, Western Kentucky has won four in a row. Um, they're holding opponents to 287 yards per game total. So uh, something's got to give there. Um, I'm going to go with Marshall at home. Um, big fan of uh, Doc Holliday. I believe he's still the coach there. So we'll, yeah, we'll forever and he's old as shit. Um, but he's a good coach. Auburn at LSU. Holt. Yeah, I got to go with LSU in this one. I do like the under. I do like Auburn to cover just because it's a rivalry game. And, you know, every time I think about this matchup, um, I always think about, I think it was two years ago, um, when Auburn totally went over there and laid an egg in this one, blew a big second half lead and let Auburn come back and, or let LSU come back and win. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game, but I got LSU in the end, just too much firepower on offense. And I just, I'm still not sold on Bo Nix. I need, we need to see more out of Bo Nix. He's getting talked about like he's the second coming of Jesus. And he's just been a very average to below average quarterback so far. So I need to see him take a step forward. Freshman's going to freshman. That's my, my, uh, take on that jb who you got in this game gotta go with lsu here i mean it's it's, it's just i mean i'm not gonna say it's easy but i mean i think lsu is currently the best team in the sec and i'm gonna go with them if this if this game was at auburn i might have been you know persuaded potentially to pick auburn in an upset but with this game being in death valley i mean it's just hard to go against lsu right now i mean they're they're on a roll i mean i think their defense has gotten better the last few weeks and their offense is not slowing down I mean, I think they're the most complete team in the conference. Yeah. There's no disagreements yet, but we're, we're going to keep on chugging along and see if we can get um, a disagreement between you two. Arizona at Stanford. Holt. Going Stanford in this one. I don't know why, but I keep picking Stanford to win every freaking week. You do love Stanford. Um, they, they are at home. I don't like either one of these teams. Um, <laughs> I've already lost one game this year betting against Arizona, but I'm just going to – I'm going with Stanford – um, don't ask me why. I don't have a reason. I'm just going with Stanford. I guess you know what? I will give you one reason. Arizona has one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. They're absolutely terrible on defense. So <laughs> I think even Stanford's terrible ass shitty offense this year is still going to be able to move the ball on Arizona. So I'm going with Stanford in this one. JB, this is too easy. I got to go with Stanford here. I mean, it's David Shaw versus Kevin Sumlin. It's the Trees versus Khalil Tate. I got to go with the trees. I don't think uh, Khalil Tate can get around those trees. Yeah, y'all, y'all made this, y'all made this one out like that was easy. I don't think that was that's an easy game. I mean, both of y'all are picking Stanford. Like, no, I mean the spread is is even. Yeah, that's why. I know I, it's I, even, but I, I just don't trust uh, Arizona to come away with this victory here. Even though you, you, I think you beat me on the Arizona Colorado game a few weeks ago. I did. Yeah, that was so that was Ari- funny. Arizona was a lucky team for you. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't keep rolling with them. Are we picking an Iowa game this week, by the way? Who's Iowa playing? <laughs> yeah, I, I left it off on purpose. <laughs> also, it would have been an easy game. They're playing Northwestern, although the line's only nine and a half in Northwestern. The game is the Northwestern, so uh, Colt may have picked Northwestern. <laughs> he does like he does hate Iowa as much as you love Iowa, if that makes sense. Um, next game, uh, South Carolina at Tennessee. JB. Oh, this is tough. This is a really, really tough one for me, but – you know, I'm actually going to go with Tennessee in a very close, ugly matchup. I mean, I went with Tennessee two weeks ago when they played Mississippi State in a really ugly game. I think Tennessee wins another ugly one. Um, 
I don't know who's going to be, if it's going to be Garantano or Shrouds, but I think Tennessee is going to win an ugly one here. Holt. You know, I hate that we're going to differ on this game because I don't really know, uh, but I'm going to go with South Carolina in this one. Um, I just think they have a little bit more firepower on offense. They've just moved the ball a little bit better. I think they're just a little bit more dynamic and explosive on offense than Tennessee is. I think the defenses are – I'd like Tennessee's defense just a little bit more, but South Carolina's defensive line has really played well these last couple of weeks. So, uh, I think it's going to be really tough for Tennessee to run the ball on them, and I'd like South Carolina to get a very, very, very ugly win in Knoxville. How ugly hold? Um, very. I mean, just very is what I was like. Thinking. Picture, picture the opposite of Lindsey Palos. That's that's tough, man. I'm I'm just picturing Lindsey Palos now. <laughs> my so. final my final score is. Uh, I went with 12-10. I think Tennessee gets four field goals off the leg of Brent Samaglia. That's a that's a uh, mouthful there, is the kicker. Um, Indiana at Nebraska, JB. Um, I'm going to have to probably – you know what? I know Indiana's done a lot better this year. I mean, I know they're improved. But Nebraska's also at home, and it's – and it's. I mean, I like Adrian Martinez. I mean, Phoenix is pretty good for Indiana as well. But, you know, I'm going to go – man, I don't know. That'd be you know a big fucking game. I'll go with Nebraska. God damn it. Let's go with Nebraska. I always think that there's no relation between Adrian and Taylor Martinez. I always think there are is, but there's nothing, right? Nothing, no. Yeah. As far as we know. So, whole you're going Nebraska is what you're saying by that? Yeah, yeah, I'm going Nebraska also. Um, I don't really have a good reason. I just, I, I just trust their coach more. Um, I'm not a big fan of Indiana's coach. I totally lost, forgot his name. I think he's a good guy, but I just don't think he's a very good coach. And, you know, I think Nebraska is going to bounce back. They're going to bounce back at some point, right? I mean, Scott Frost isn't just going to be this bad, is he? No, he's not. I'm surprised. But, I mean, both of you are picking Nebraska, and I would have picked Nebraska too. But um, this is an easy game to pick. And as, I guess, as voiced by JB's frustration when I announced this game. Two lane at Navy. Holt. Man, I got to go with Tulane in this one. Um, this is a really tough spot for them, though. This is a really tough game for them, uh, going on the road and playing Navy. Um, but I'm going to go with Tulane in this one. I just – I'm a big Willie Fritz fan. I just – I can't help it. I just – I love his coaching style. Um, I don't know if I feel great about it, but I'm going with Tulane in this one. Holt – or JB? Here's another team, Alex, that is also in the running for a New Year's Six Bowl. Navy only has one loss currently, so they're still technically in the running. That's another solid team in the American. I'm going to go with Navy at home. I like it. I like it. That's two picks now. They're different. Last but not least, Notre Dame at Michigan. JB. I'm going to go with Michigan here. I think they're going to get the uh, bounce back victory. They're going to have a big win at home. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to answer to the rumors that's been coming out against him that he's just trying to find a way out. Uh, it's a rivalry game. Uh, they're going to knock Notre Dame off in the from the college football playoff, and we won't have to hear about how awesome they are anymore. So, yeah, Michigan, go blue. Holt. Go with Notre Dame in this one. Nah. Um, I do not like Michigan's football team at all. Um, they showed some life on offense last week. Uh, at the end of, in the second half of the Penn State game, um, maybe that'll carry over. I don't believe so, just because they've been pretty bad on offense pretty much all year. 
Um, Notre Dame is just a little more reliable. Ian Book is, you know, a solid quarterback, not a great quarterback, but a solid quarterback. I imagine this game will be something like 17 to 20, 17 to 14, something along those lines. But I just, I like Brian Kelly a little bit more as a coach. I like Ian Book a little more as a quarterback, even though Michigan does have the home field advantage. I'm going with Notre Dame in this one. And that is the third difference. It is. For eight games total, you have three differences. They are Tulane and Navy, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Notre Dame, Michigan. Um, exciting games to watch, but even more exciting now that you all are picking differently on these. Um, any final words before we pack this shit up and move on? Nope. <laughs> Jeb, you going to get that evil laugh. What you got going on? <laughs> I, was, I was hoping that we could just be silent here for 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 seconds. And then we just like cut off the podcast. Cause like, obviously we had no more words. <laughs> no, I got you. That was a funny one. Dave, <laughs> All right. With that, I think it's time to go. Thanks for listening and make sure you follow us on Twitter at sec slow smoke and subscribe to us on the podcast at sec slow smoke. We will see you all later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.